This is episode 558 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, Surviving a Grid-Down Disaster. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, before we get started, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by the HydroBlue VersaFlow water filter. Now the VersaFlow might be one of the most versatile water filters on the market today. So not only can you use it for your own personal water filter needs, but you can turn it into a family-sized water filter. So if you don't have a family-sized water filter, you really need to look into this. So I've created a free video and a PDF tutorial that shows you how to easily turn the VersaFlow into a family-sized water filter. Now, right now, you can have this family-sized water filter for under $25. So to watch the video, get the free PDF tutorial and a code for 20% off of the VersaFlow, click the link in the show notes or visit PrepperWebsite.com forward slash VersaFlow. All right, guys, let's go ahead and jump into our article of the podcast. It comes to us from PreppersWill.com. And again, the title of the article is Surviving a Grid Down Disaster. You know, when it comes to grid down, or in, in really, we're talking like the electrical grid, right? When we're talking about that, that is one of those things a lot of people don't really want to think about because it can be so deadly. There's so many ramifications that you really don't think about it. You really don't, it's hard to process it, all all of it, if you're not, you know, you haven't studied it a little bit and really thought it through. This article does a good job of, you know, helping you to understand a lot of those pieces and, and bringing those out. So a lot of people talk about it's not if, it's when the electrical grid goes down. The true fact is that there hasn't been a lot of money put into infrastructure. You know, a lot of the lines that are there have been there for many years. You've got substations, you've got, you know, you've got electrical, just all these components that go into it that I know that when things have gone on here in my local area, like for instance, uh, our lights were down and actually I wrote an article about that a while back. One of our substations caught fire. And so they rerouted, they're able to do that. But what happens when there's a lot of failures down the line, right? And so one substation after another substation, and it's not really hard to imagine this happening with terrorism and, you know, malware and spyware and, you know, how everything is completely tied into the internet. So let's go ahead and jump into this article and see what we have today. Again, Coming to us from PreppersWill.com, Surviving a Grid-Down Disaster. A grid-down disaster can happen at any time. It is probably the most serious threat to our existence right now. When the power goes out, people will panic and things will never be the same. Can you survive a grid-down disaster? Now, it sure does become easy to take this life we're each living for granted. This is a miraculous age that we are existing in. This age in which heat, air conditioning, and lighting all come on at our beckoning call, a time in which food is readily available at the nearest supermarket and which we can make fairly quick trips to nearly anywhere we'd like in a four-wheeled death trap. 
though the wheel really isn't a fraction as amazing in function as the legs of a human being. It is in fact so easy to take all that for granted that we rarely ever stop to pontificate on how we would react if it were ever to stop. Believe it or not, and especially so in this technologically advanced world, we are pretty darn vulnerable to many, many sorts of threats. One of our chief vulnerabilities is predicated on our dependency, or rather addiction, to the power grid. They run everything that we use in the modern world, period. Here in the United States, there is an Eastern grid, a Western grid, and a Texas grid. It is absolutely appalling how incredibly vulnerable to, as well as supremely reliant we are on those grids. Basically, if those bad boys go down, the die has been cast. Believe it or not, a grid-down disaster is not a far-fetched scenario. We totally take these systems for granted. People are not aware that a grid-down disaster is a matter of when, not if. So what could potentially cause a grid-down disaster? There are so many things that could go wrong that we will only have the room to cover a few here in this article. Now, they are all worth looking into and thinking about. These threats will cause a grid-down disaster at some point in the near future. The foremost obvious threat is terrorism. We live in a modern age where terrorism can come in many different forms, such as cyber attacks on the software that runs the entire power grid. The potential of damage done by solar storms is also higher than one may imagine. NASA keeps crying about it constantly, but nobody seems to be listening. There is also the impending peril of an EMP attack. Remember those high-altitude rockets the North Koreans were testing last year? I wonder what purpose they have for those. So people play an important role. Another very interesting potential of grid failure is staffing. Say there is an economic collapse and the poop finally hits the metaphorical fan. If things begin to go haywire, and chances are they will quickly, then where do you think the employees, as well as every other worker upon which we rely nearly all the time, of power plants are going to be? When the looting and widespread rioting and general lawlessness is occurring, do you really believe power plant operators are going to be clocking in, business as usual? Yeah, right, get real. They are going to want to be at home to protect their families. It is the law that if a nuclear power plant doesn't have a specific level of staffing, they must shut down. If any of the above events happen, a grid-down disaster will shortly occur. You can immediately expect the lights to go out there will be no power being produced. And once a grid-down disaster occurs, bringing the grid back up can prove to be darn near impossible. What has to occur when a grid, down, when a grid goes down is what is known as a dark start, and that is an extremely hard thing to perform. All right, so let me break in, break in here really quickly. Um, that's one of the issues in Venezuela. So when everything, you know, the collapse started happening and people started bailing all the engineers uh, you know, a lot of that power grid that they have over there, it was just kind of like pieced together. So if you think our infrastructure is bad, theirs was really bad. And so their engineers were kind of keeping it going. They knew what needed to be done and all that kind of stuff. As soon as things started, you know, collapsing, they they started leaving. They started leaving the country. They saw the writing on the wall and like, hey, we're not, I mean, we're educated, we're smart, we're engineers. We know that this thing is going to go south really, really uh, quickly, so we're going to go ahead and take our families and go to another country 
and where you know we can provide for our families. And so that's what started to happen. They started to lose all their engineers and and all the people that could, or all the people that knew how to fix things and run things. And so it was just a matter of time before the grid started to fail and there wasn't anyone around who knew what needed to be done. And so now Venezuela is depending on, you know, people you know, like Russians coming in and trying to help and other people trying to come in and help. But I mean, they don't have like manuals. They don't have I mean, this stuff was pieced together. Right. And so they, they have no idea of how to do this. And not only that, they're going from this dark start that is what that was mentioned here in this article. And that's a lot more difficult where you're trying to get all this power all ramped up all at one time. And so you think about, you know, people have electricity on and maybe when the lights went out, they never turned their their power off or whatever. And so you have all this power trying to ramp up and going out and it's never really uh, enough to, to finally ramp up and get things going. And so that's a, a pretty... Uh, easy scenario to see that how things start you know breaking down and, it, and people start leaving and bailing out on all, all their you know their jobs and their responsibilities and that's very true right if you if things started going south and people you know things started happening do you really are you going to really go into work where you're not even sure if they're going to be able to pay you and you're going to want to stay with your family and protect them and stuff like that so that's one of those things that needs to be understood, right? And if a pandemic happens, if, you know, those types of things start happening, economic collapse, why is anybody going to go go to work if the money that you are making doesn't doesn't pay for anything, right? And so you you see a little bit of all this stuff going on in other places and you we can extrapolate from there and say what would it be like here, right? What would it, you know, what would happen and what would we do? I mean, think about it honestly. What would you do if, you know, your company couldn't pay you or even what they did pay you wasn't going to buy anything because you couldn't get your money out of the bank or, you know, you were afraid that you'd go to work and maybe get sick or, you know, whatever it might be. So just put a little bit of thought into that. All right, so let's go ahead and move forward here. There is a complexity to the power grid system that has increased insanely year by year since its semi-recent beginnings. Not to mention the level of interconnectivity and the level of dependency is only greater than it was, say, in the 1970s. Now, blackouts were a major thing back then, and their effects were devastating and wide-ranged. We rely on the grid for so much now. That life as we know it simply wouldn't be happening if it were to go down. I believe that a grid-down disaster is long overdue. To make things worse, we're dependent upon the power grids for our cell phones, cars, and heating, and lighting and also for pumping water, which makes up about 98% of civic water supplies. The old method of gravity-fed water systems have become nearly extinct, a thing of the past. Most water is now pumped electrically through filters. Now, when a grid-down disaster is in effect, there's going to be new problems that quickly arise. The grid goes down, power goes out, two to three days, no water. This goes a smidgen deeper than, oh no, no drinking water, Thought that is obviously crucial. First, let's think about sewage. Ah yes, another one of those taking for granted things. Problems with sewage are likely to occur practically immediately. As unfortunate as this is, our society for the most part is not at all used to the cleanliness standards of third world countries. At least in the third world, people are taught the necessary skills needed in order not to ruin what little water supply they have. 
skills such as knowing not to foul the water supply upstream. We exist in a highly urbanized society with people who simply don't have a clue. And guys, that's very true. You know, when uh, Hurricane Sandy happened and uh, in, in New York, you know, there was reports of people using the restroom in the hallways because their sewage system was backed up in their high rises. So it's like, we can't use it there. We got to go somewhere. So they just started using the restroom. So think about it. No electricity. You're using flashlights. You're walking in a hallway where people are using the restroom. It's just, it was absolutely nasty, right? People just have no clue of the dangers of all that kind of stuff. And so you think about how that goes wide range. And let's say you're in the suburbs, right? You have a little bit of property and you might be doing, and I've always said this, you might know exactly what to do. You, you might know exactly how to handle the situation and sanitation and all that. That doesn't mean everybody else does, right? That doesn't mean that everybody else doesn't understand that you just can't go out to the backyard and poop and then walk on it a little bit later on because you're going to be tracking that stuff everywhere. And then you have the issue of the sewage line starting to back up into your homes. And that is a scary thing. That's something that I've always thought about. And, you know, that's something that, that everyone really needs to consider. You would almost need everybody in a neighborhood to understand we can't use our restrooms anymore, right? But at the same time, you need to find a place to be able to use the restrooms. And so it's that catch-22 that goes into effect if that was to happen. Now, I've talked to somebody who knows how our uh, sewage system works here. They said that there are, it works on a pump system, right? So like the sewage lines go out to a pump and then it's a small pump, but it's, it's big enough to be able to pump it over and then it's gravity fed down until it gets to another pump and then gravity fed, you know, until it gets to another pump until it gets to the sewage system, right? So you have this pumping action going on and, and going through the lines but there's like two to three days worth of fuel that is set aside for these pumps if things you know break down. And then after that, and then you know, usually that there would be someone who would go replace the fuel if it was, you know, power was out like during you know major storms and things like that. But if this was wide, you know, if this was like nationwide, people wouldn't be coming to replace that fuel. So then you would have this issue and eventually it would back up. And that's a, you know, that's a scary thing. All right. So another, another reason why you would want to, you know, consider, put a little bit of thought into what truly needs to happen. All right, moving on. There will be a public health nightmare if we have a grid down disaster because people out of pure ignorance will wind up fouling the creeks and rivers and eventually fouling all the water supply that others could be drawing from. A crucial thing is to not only have a way to transport water from open sources, but also to have the proper ways to filter water. There are specific skills that every family should have, and there are equally important tools that go along with those skills. Skills such as water filters or, at the very least, a good supply of plain hypochlorite bleach, and some ways of transporting water even if gasoline gets short. All right, so let me talk a little bit about bleach. Bleach has a shelf life. So one of the things that always comes up is uh, using shock, pool shock, to be able to make bleach. And I have talked about that before in the past. I have linked to that. If you go to, if you go to Prepper website, you go to the tag cloud, you can look that up. You can do a search. You can come over to 
theprepperwebsitepodcast.com and do a search for pool shock and you'll you'll find articles and times when I've talked about that on uh, on the podcast. So I, that's going to be very important. Everybody should have that. And there's a lot that goes into that as well. But, you, you know, listen, read those articles and listen to, uh, you know, listen to that podcast or those various podcasts that I've mentioned that because that's very important and something that you would want to have. And then, of course, the water filter. I mean, that's why I talk about the VersaFlow. And that's one reason why I pursued that exclusive 20% offer with, for the VersaFlow for listeners and readers of Prepper website because, you know, it's something that everyone should have. And you should have multiple water filters and ways to filter water. So I think that's very highly, highly important. All right, so moving on. Without these bare basic skills, you will quickly become a domestic refugee of very short order. If the 20th century taught us anything, it's the life of a refugee is nasty, brutish, and short. So since we take most everything for granted this day and age, let's break this down. Power grid goes down, water depleted in two to three days, sewage gone as well, no natural gas, no readily available food, etc. So what about the aftermath of a grid down disaster? There will be a massive cascade of events that most people simply don't recognize due to their taking most things for granted. We always expect tomorrow to be just like yesterday. Unfortunately, that line of thinking can easily blow up in your face. Now, our potential for risk grows and grows more and more. This is all due to our technologically advanced and technologically dependent society. We have taken this grid system for granted and have not put forth much thought into the consequences of that system failing us. So again, guys, I don't want this to be, I mean, people would say, Todd, that's just like doom porn. It's not doom porn right here. This is something that is very real that could happen, right? It could happen like right now. And so I just want people to understand this is not something that's future. This is not something that is, you know, well, if everything, you know, goes right or whatever, you know, our, our grid, there is a vulnerability to it. And it's something that you need to take into consideration there. All right. So continuing on here, another issue is that that will soon arise will be that homes that use natural gas for heating, cooling, cooking, etc., will suffer near immediate loss. Natural gas is electrically pumped. Very few people yet have natural gas fed into their homes that is sent there by natural pressure. Most homes depend on specific pressure stations that electrically pump it. If the grid is offline for an extended period of time, the pressure on the natural gas lines will drop. By the time you get out to tap on someone's domestic residency, they will be out of natural gas relatively quickly. This may mean that you want to stock up on propane as well as you know, given your precise situation. All right. So one of the things that I remember hearing is that natural gas uh, companies did run on natural gas. So I don't know uh, if that's true or not. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong there. Maybe that's old information. If anyone knows, if anyone is listening and knows if, you know, natural gas is pumped electrically or if they use if they power their pumps through natural gas, um, you know, let let me know. Come over to episode 558, you know, with the link that's in the comment or that's in the show notes and drop a comment in the comment section so that I can share it with everyone. You know, that's one of those things, because if you do have natural gas, well, then that's that that'll be a game changer. Right. Because you can use that in so many different ways. But if it's one of those things where eventually the pressure is just going to 
just go away. It's going to equalize in the in the lines and no one will be able to use it. Well, that that's not cool. Right. So, uh, you know, let me know if you have any knowledge of that, any real knowledge. Let me know. So next up, the food is gone. A major factor to take into consideration in a grid down disaster is how quickly logistical systems will begin to fail. This will affect the next most important thing to our bodies next to water, food. A readily available food could be gone from your area within two weeks or less, more than likely less. Most modern grocery stores are not stocked very well at all. They may look big and warehouse-like, but they are not. In these supermarkets of today, what you see on the shelf is, for the most part, all that the store has. And that is not a very deep supply whatsoever. Obviously, our modern just-in-time inventory control system is a miracle in technological advances. However, throw a big grid failure into the picture and you begin to have major problems with the stocking of shelves. Once telecommunications are offline, these supermarket auto-reordering systems are going to fall to pieces. Orders will no longer be coming in and the stock will deplete at a very fast pace. Now, if any orders will be delivered at all, they would certainly be spasmodic at best. And if it is bad enough that the nuclear power plant employees are not going into work, do you really believe there will be 18 wheelers rolling up the freeway? Business as usual? And get real. There is such a huge cascade of certain events that are practically unavoidable when a nation such as ours sees a major disruption in the power supply. It is quite ironic that the world we exist in is so hyper-optimized and such a miracle while simultaneously being so fragile and weak. As individuals and preppers and family members, we really need to recognize this fragility. We need to be at least minimally prepared just for humanity's sake. Understanding how to care for water supplies is a top priority as well as storing food and prep supplies properly. All right, so just reading that, I was just reminded I received an email from Legacy Foods that they are starting a 25% off of their big buckets of food. And so if you're in the market for freeze-dried food and Legacy does a real good job, um, you know, you might want to look at Legacy. There is a link in the show notes that you can always go to Legacy. But right now, if you're listening to this when I'm recording this and, and you know distributing it for the very first time, then Legacy is running a sale for 25% off of their big buckets. So that's one of the things that you need to consider is having you know that food supply. And we talk about that. I've talked about that very frequently. That's something that, you know, like this article said, it's like the second most important thing you know, that you really need to consider. I mean, shelter, water, sanitation, food, you know, all those types of, I mean, all, they all come into play, right? And so it's very, very important. You know, if you're in a grid down situation or you're stressed and you're not eating, your energy level is going to drop very, very quickly. All right, so moving on. Do not trust FEMA or the likes. Here's a warning. To a certain extent, you will want to heed this advice. This may sound like a dangerous charge, and if it is, maybe only to the sheep. As many have pointed out, including factual history, our government's lack of ability to appropriately respond in the event of a disaster is detrimental to human lives. FEMA has time and time again radically failed to handle the response to even localized disasters, so God only knows how they may respond to a nationwide commotion. The best thing you can force into your mindset is that you are on your own. 
This does not mean that you banish all people after a collapse and hole up in your concrete bunker and exile from the planet. That is death. It simply means preparing yourself and your family with the appropriate knowledge and equipment needed to survive certain scenarios while maintaining a positive view of humanity as a whole. Step number one is recognizing that it is all on you to prepare for you and yours. Automatically assume that the government will not be there to help you. They will not be there to hold your hand while you attempt to find fresh water for your children. The government will not assist you in getting food into your family's mouth, and they will not come running to your SOS call. They would surely love you to think that, but the truth is that when a terrible event strikes the entire nation, or rather a large portion of it, it is on you, the individual, to ensure your family's safety, not the government. Also, take into consideration that attempting to rush around for groceries is not very productive for anyone after a grid-down disaster has happened. Each person that did their part in stockpiling is one less that will be bombarding the grocery stores at the 11th hour. This will help to keep down the problems that arise from too many folks rushing around for survival necessities. So be a part of the solution. If you have obtained and kept up the mind of a well-prepared person who decided early on to look out for the interest of his family and neighbors, someone that has stocked up on supplies accordingly, armed and prepared yourself, has worked out communications equipment, first aid, and the whole shebang, you are going to be part of the solution, not the problem. And that is a major deal in not only helping your family and others in need, but for humanity as a whole. All right, so this was part one. There is a part two, and maybe we'll get to that one. Part two, we'll discuss further causes and how to dive into the prepping world without losing your mind in the process. So if you want to read part two, you can come over to prepperswill.com and you can read that one. I mean, I might be reading that one later on in a future episode of the podcast. You know, this reminds me of something that I that I always say. You know, when we prepare... We prepare for short-term issues, right? But also preparing for the long-term as well. And I've always done that. Like if, you know, I want to prepare for the hurricanes. I want to prepare for, you know, the lights going out. I want to prepare for, you know, a, a little disruption, right? That's smart. A lot of people see see it that way, right? And they might not even consider themselves preppers. I got an email from someone today who, you know, read my article on hurricane preparedness, Right. And so they're like, you know, I'm not really a prepper, but I do prepare for hurricanes because they live in the Houston area. And, you know, so that's one reason they were reaching out because I talked about Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Ike. And they're like, yeah, you know, I prepare for hurricanes. I don't necessarily consider myself a prepper. So that's definitely one aspect of it, right, is preparing for those short term events that, you know, is not going to send the world into chaos. But then at the same time knowing and thinking about, all right, what if there was an extended event, right? What if something really bad down the road happened? Could I transition my preparedness from being very short-term to very long-term? Or at least can I have both of those things, you know, in the back of my mind and be able to go there if I really needed to? And so always kind of keeping that in balance, Right. Not going way off the the rails here and like I got to have my bunker and, you know, the polar shift is coming or the aliens and zombie and the walking dead and all that kind of stuff. You know, living 
you know, in reality, but at the same time, being able to see things like this, right? Um, and, and being able to like, hey, if, a grid, if our grids go down, man, that is going to be bad, bad, bad. We always talk about EMPs and, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, to me, a grid going down is a little bit more plausible than a foreign country, than North Korea sending off an EMP over the United States. You know, a lot of people say that there is a lot of already, you know, malware and, and Trojans and spyware already in our system. And it's just one of those things that they need to be flipped on, right? And uh, would cause the, the grid to go cascading. We've done it to other um, nations, right? Iran with their nuclear reactors and stuff, how they started failing. Um, other people have done it to like, you know, the Ukraine was hit. Although that didn't completely devastate them, but it did take them off the grid for a while. And so, you know, that technology is already out there. And not to scare you, but to maybe prod you a little bit more and say, hey, maybe you need to take preparedness just a little bit more seriously. Uh, if you're just listening for fun, right? Or uh, if you, you've just recently found and uh, found the, the, the podcast, maybe this is your very first one. You're like, what the heck did I get myself into? You know, if you go back and you listen to some of the other podcast episodes here recently, it's more you know practical type stuff that I've been talking about. But this is one of those that takes it to that whole nother level, you know. And if you really think about it, it is very possible for something like this to happen. So, uh, again, a lot of people will say not uh, if, but when something like this starts to happen. And, uh, you know, how will you react? And I really liked what this article said at the, you know, towards the very end, you are responsible for you and your family, right? That is the thing that uh, I want to make sure that when they, if, if something was to go down, if there was an emergency situation, that the people that were counting on me could look to me and I would have answers for them, right? Or I wouldn't regret that I didn't have answers or that I didn't take action. You know, very easily I could have prepared uh, you know, some long-term food storage. Very easily, I could have had some supplies that would have mitigated some of the issues of this or that or whatever. I could have had some extra water filter or, you know, whatever it is. And I don't want to be in that situation and regret it, right? And so anyway, a little bit of planning goes a whole long way. All right, guys. Well, like always, I'm going to link to this article in the show notes and you can go and click on it. There are a lot of other links in here. And then if you want to jump to uh, part two, you don't want to wait for me to maybe read that later on down the road. Then you can come to prepperswell.com and easily find part two and you can read it for yourself. Well, everyone, that's it for episode 558. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. You can head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. And you can find links to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, or, you know, the Google uh, Podcast and TuneIn and Stitcher and all the, you know, all Spotify and all those uh, different uh, podcast networks. We are on all of them. And so you can find links and easily add them to your podcast catcher. And then when you do that, you'll never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. Hey, and don't forget to take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.